so y'all, we are going to get back to our, our study on the cross, and we've been praying and fasting for the last several weeks. We need to continue to pray and fast, and we need to continue to trust the Lord. Like I said, we're, we know what we're praying for and believing for, and we're asking God for that. As, as far as our country goes in the elections, we also need to trust God no matter what, because He has a perfect will, and if it would be only what he would allow to happen and he would give us the strength and the grace because it's his will for whatever the outcome would be. But we're going to continue to pray for a favorable outcome for the election, for God's glory and, and, and for the mercy of our, of our country. Amen. Amen. So, y'all, we're, we're studying the cross and specifically the, the thought in this study that we're doing is the cross and the work of the cross in the life of the believer. We know we could preach forever on, on, the, on the cross of our Lord and, and what that purchased for us and what he, what he accomplished on the cross when the Word became flesh and died for our sins and He became uh, sin who knew no sin, that He became the propitiation for the sins of the world. But in addition to that, there is obviously through the Word of God a work of the Lord's cross in the life of the believer, an ongoing work. And, and just to sum it up, it's, it's a work of, of dying to self and dying to sin increasingly more. What Jesus did on the cross was once and for all, okay? That was settled. He doesn't have to die again. The Bible tells us in Hebrews and that he suffered, he suffered once, and that he died, he died once for the sins of the world. He's ever liveth to make intercession for, for the saints, he is in power and life at the right hand of the Father. And because he lives, we, we live also, he says. But that, that's settled, and that's not the issue. The issue is, you and I know perfectly well that we're not, as believers, okay, as believers, we are not fully all that he is, okay? And we're not fully all that we are predestined to be as believers, it's like there's this great potential, okay? And sometimes I think we're just scratching at the surface of it. Like some people have said, there's this whole big ocean that's called Christ, and we're sitting on the shore just dabbling, you know, dipping our toes in the, in the edge of the water. We're Christians. We're saved. We're in the water. Maybe we're up to foot deep or ankle deep. But there's an ocean to swim in. And in order for that to happen... The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ has to have a complete work in us. And again, I think it's, I don't think, according to the Word of God, that's an ongoing thing. We're sanctified in Christ, and yet we're being sanctified. We're saved, past tense, in the Lord by our faith in Jesus, and we're being saved, and we will be saved. Even receiving the end of your faith, even your salvation, the Bible says, I think, in First or Second Peter. So these are ongoing things. So just keep that in mind. We haven't studied this in a while. And just to understand what, what's the point of this study and what, what are we doing, that's what we're doing. There was an old country farmer who brought his gun into the gunsmith and says, I need some work done on my gun. And this old thing, and he shows it to the gunsmith, and the gunsmith says, well, this thing's in total ruin. I mean, this thing's just in bad shape. Uh, I, I think the only thing I can do with this is, is to give you a new lock, stock, and barrel 
for the, for the gun. And the, and the farmer said, well, look, if you're going to do that, I might as well just get a new gun. And he said, that's what I would suggest. Just get a new gun. And the point of that being is that when we come into Christ, it's a whole new life. The Lord doesn't take that broken, fallen man, that nature of Adam, and says, let's see if there's something here worth salvaging. And I think a lot of people's philosophy, if you want to call it that, or belief on Christianity is that that the Lord's going to take me and make me better. He's going to give me joy, of course, eternal life, and forgive all my sins. He's going to, he's going to, uh, you know, kind of smooth off the, the rough edges. He's going to make me a better person. And he, he does make us better, but he makes us better by, by dying to ourselves. He doesn't take that old man and make that old man better. We're told to put off the old man with his deeds. Put it off. In other words, cast it aside. Put it away. And be robed in the new man, which after Christ Jesus is created in true righteousness and holiness. That new man's already holy. And so he doesn't take that old man and fix him up. He, there's nothing salvageable in that old life. The Bible says that the, the carnal mind is not subject to God, neither indeed can be. The Bible says that the carnal mind and, and nature is enmity or enemy, set itself as enmity against God. And there's nothing there. I mean, we have a spirit that God created in his image and a soul. We're eternal beings created in the image of God. But it's his, his spirit that quickens us. Now what it says in Ephesians 2, and you had the quickened who were dead in the trespasses and sins. What did he quicken? He quickened that spirit man. Our body was already living. So he quickened that spirit man, and then we're to let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. And that man's already holy and perfect. But you say, well, I just watched myself today, and I wasn't holy and perfect, but I know I'm saved. Well, you are saved. But there's still the work of the cross and of sanctifying of the Holy Ghost in our lives, a growing, a maturity, a bearing fruit that we talk about all the time. And a key component of that is realizing by faith that, that I, I need to reckon myself dead indeed. I'm told to do that. I'm told to count on it as being a fact. Mm -hmm. It is a fact, but I need to count on it. The, the Bible wouldn't tell me that in Romans chapter 6. I need to count it as being so. Because every time that flesh tries to rise up as a Christian, um, it, it tries to rise up. We, by faith, not by feelings, by faith, we, we say, no, I'm, I'm dead to that in Jesus. It's not positive thinking. It's, it's simply scriptural and biblical. By faith, reckoning, reckoning it, that means count it as being so. And so, again, a lot of times God's children... We can, and I've, I've done it, we can misunderstand it. The Lord didn't come to take our old men and, and make us much better. He came to give us new life. Amen. New life. Abundant. Eternal. Free. We were dead. We didn't even have life spiritually. We had no life spiritually. There's nothing to make better. He wants to give us new life. The gift of God is eternal life. Amen. Right? The wages of sin is death. We already were dead in our sins and trespasses. The gift of God when he saved us, when we said, I do to the Lord, the gift that he gave us was life, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Mm -hmm. 
And so the cross at every, at every turn, I guess you would say, at every intersection, the cross crosses against our wills. I'm talking about our personal will. Not the Lord's will, but our wills. Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. And the cross contradicts our will. The cross contradicts our wisdom. It was man's wisdom, and that would have been our wisdom without the Lord that put Jesus, that crucified the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Man in its wisdom crucified the Lord of glory. That's not much wisdom, is it? Okay? And so the cross contradicts these things. The cross contradicts our desires. I want you to look with me, if you would. Let's turn our Bibles, and I want us to read uh, Galatians 5, 24. And they that are Christ, this is a born-again person, not a churchgoer necessarily, but a born-again person, they that are Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Crucified speaks of the cross, right? And the cross right there is contradicting our, our, our it contradicts our own desires, our will, our wisdom, our desires. It contradicts our pride. It, it makes us servants, right? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was the mind of Christ who took upon him the form of a servant and became obedient, servant, obedient unto death, okay? So the, the cross is going to contradict the pride of life, thinking that we're anything. No, we're servants. Jesus said, as you've seen me wash your feet on the Last Supper, right? This is how I want you to do to each other. We're servants, so the pride kind of has to go out the window to stoop down and serve someone that you think you're better than them or whatever. And so the cross contradicts these things. And, and the Bible says that even the cross contradicts self, and that would be the, the number one thing, I guess you would say. The cross of Jesus, as it works in our lives, cuts against self. It's working to cut it off. And I'll give you this scripture just for time's sake. I'll read it from 2 Corinthians 5. One, one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should not live, no longer live for themselves, but for him who loved them and died for them. So we don't live for ourselves anymore. The self right there is, is in, the, in the context of the crucifixion and of the cross. He died, we're to die, and not live for ourselves, yourself, but live for him who loved us and died for our sins. Okay? The cross cro crosses our human nature at every point. Okay, I want to another, read another passage real quickly. Turn with me to Luke chapter 14. <clears throat> I know that we know these scriptures, but it's good to, to just be reminded. Amen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Luke 14, verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them. So this wasn't just his twelve disciples. There was a great multitude that went with him. He turned and said unto them, If any man... Come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters. Yea, what does it say next? And his own life also. That's the hardest thing, right? His own life also. He cannot be my disciple. 
And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And so think about this. The Lord didn't come back, as I said earlier, to come to, to trim, us, trim us back a little bit so that good fruit would come. He's got to save us first. He's got to save us first. There's not going to be good fruit from a bad tree. There's not going to be good fruit from a bad root and tree. It's like the gun. The, the gun owner needed a new lock, stock, and barrel. He said, well, I'll just soon get a new gun. That's what you need, a new gun. Okay? That's what we need is a new life. And we need to learn by faith to, to turn loose. You know, I think there are landmark moments in our lives. I've said it before. I know at least from my own life, and when you read about other saints of God, you know, certainly salvation is a landmark thing. You've set up your monument right there, and I got saved on such and such a day. I gave, received new life. But there are times after that even. I don't think there's thousands of them. I think there's other moments in our life where maybe even after we're saved, we we felt like the Lord cut us loose from the world and like a real surrender to the Lord. It can maybe five years after you're saved, it may be 20 years down the road in genuine salvation. The Lord brings us in that journey, walking with Him, and say, here's a big cliff, cliff that you need to step off the edge of and trust me to catch you. You understand what I'm saying? Those things that happen. There are little things like that all the time that are working in God's Spirit daily, continually. But I think there are moments in our lives and God needs to, to, to not prune our branches, so to speak, as much, and He does that too for the believer, as to give us a new life, okay? A whole new life. And self is the root. One man of God said, self is the root, the tree, and the branches of all the evil of our fallen state. If you trace it all back, you know, pride and greed and covetousness and, and anger and wrath and jealousy and all these things you trace it all back and it goes back to it goes back to self self okay and that's what has to be cut out so self-denial is is not okay let me work on a few things in my life some bad habits self-denial is allowing the Lord to take the acts to the root of the tree. Let him take the axe to the root of the tree. Let him do it. He's a loving God. He's a loving Father. We're going to close with that in a little while, that thought. But allow him to do it. And, and we would be amazed what he can do Amen. in and through our lives. Amen? And so, again, self-seeking, self-trust, self-righteousness, self-will, self-defense, self-glory... The axe has to be laid to the root of self. Because even if you you start uh, tempering some of those things in your lives and bettering, so to speak, some of those things in your life, oh, I've, I've learned to control my temper. It's just something else is going to pop up because the root's still there. I've talked about it before. These Sega palm trees in my yard that, that froze to death. And, and I cut them down with a chainsaw at as low as I can get them to the ground. I got a dolly and hold them and threw them in the woods in the back. They're still living in the woods back there, by the way. <laughs> and and if the things keep popping up out of the ground, I'm like, I don't ever want one of these again. 
but uh, we we need have we, we need to be born again, and then we need to allow, allow the Lord to work in us. Amen. He says He's the vine, we're the branch. And there was a a preacher he was visiting a citrus farm in Florida, and he went to the the farmer. It was the expert expert farmer. He says, "Show me how you graft fruit." We all know about grafting, you know, trees and plants and. I mean, I've never done it before. And he says, show me how to do it. And he, says, he walks over there with him. And the, and the farmer, uh, his orchard, he goes to a little uh, orange blossom. Okay, and the little bud on it and the little flower just, just coming out. Just a twig coming out of that particular tree. And he very carefully cut it out. And he walks over to another full-grown tree. And he cut a cross in it. He cut a cross this way and this way. And he very carefully placed the little twig in it. And he said, this is how we graft them. I thought it was pretty neat. He said it was, he cut the shape of a cross. He didn't mean anything spiritual by it. But think about it. He's the vine. We're the branches. And we are cut off from that nature of Adam. That nature of Adam, if I'm cut from this tree over here, I'm the little sprout, okay? I'm the little bean sprout or whatever. And I'm cut off from this, and I'm severed from that. No more life from that. There's no more nourishment, life, growth, sustenance, strength, nothing from that. I'm actually cut off from that tree. And I'm taken over here. The Lord does it. The Holy Ghost places us into Christ. And he is cut on his side, you could say, where the, maybe where the spear pierced him or whatever you want to think of it. And we're placed into Christ. So where does the life come from now? Mm -hmm. Nothing to do with that nature of Adam. Mm -hmm. There's cut off from that. It is only the life of Christ. Mm -hmm. I am the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. These are things we reckon on by faith. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like at some point, maybe tonight, at some point the Lord gives a revelation and we can start walking in it more. And there's a peace in that. And there's a joy in that. And there's strength in that. And there's growth in that. And the Lord said, I've been trying to teach you that. And, and I'm, you know, maybe, maybe tonight will be what the Lord helps to show us. But uh, that, that former life, there's no association with it. I might still feel like it. We've talked about the kingdom, right? In Colossians, it says that we've been uh, uh, delivered from the kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of darkness and translated over here. Thank These you. kingdoms don't overlap, by the way. Picture them like two big circles. Kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan. I was part of that, even though I didn't even know it. He lifted me up out of that, and he translated me and put me in the kingdom of his dear son. I don't always act like I'm a child of the king. I don't act like Jesus all the time. I don't think like him all the time. I don't will and desire like him all the time. Some of this old nature still rises up in me. But by faith, I reckon that this is a fact. I'm part of this kingdom. I'm part of this kingdom. I'm not part of that kingdom any longer. Either Jesus saved me out of it or he didn't. He says he did. Okay? And we count on it as being so. We're not going to be too long tonight, y'all, but I just want to share uh, a couple of thoughts. Okay? A couple of more thoughts. There was a uh, have y'all all heard of Amy Carmichael? Mm -hmm. I'm sure that you have. Wonderful, wonderful woman of God. 
and uh, she served the Lord in different places, I think first in Japan and then uh, in a few places. She ended up spending most of her service in India and really serving the Lord. Very, very sacrificial type of life. Just giving all for the Lord, passing up things uh, and husband and things like that to serve the Lord over there. Well, there was a, a, one of her workers in the orphanage and, and home, basically where she, she ministered and worked. And her name was Kohila. And Amy Carmichael was telling about this. She was a believer named Kohila, but she was really dealing with this whole idea of self. She was a Christian. She'd given her life to Christ. But somebody had ministered or spoken to her or she read it somewhere that uh, there's nothing God will not do through one who does not care to whom the credit goes. She heard that. There's nothing that God will not do through one who does not care to whom the credit goes. Well, she cared very much. And if we were honest, a lot of times we would probably say, and we wouldn't say it with our mouths, but our attitude would show it and our inward heart would show it. And in, in, the, in the Indian dialect, there's a word, nan-than, okay? Nan means self, okay? It means the I, the big I, okay? And than basically underlines it or, or elevates it even more. And she told Amy, I need to come to an end of the man thing. Okay, she understood that. And she set out to begin to seek God to, to come to a place where, because she said, I care very much who gets the credit. But she wanted to set herself to be a servant of the Lord and not care who saw the Bible says your father who seeth in secret will reward you openly. And we really, you have to have faith to live like that. We have to be dead to ourselves to live like that. Even within the church, I was seeing some places, especially in the church, where we want to be the ones that get the recognition, to get the credit. And we'll bow our heads and we'll say glory to God. But we, we really want that from men. Now, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There's nothing wrong. In fact, it's biblical to encourage one another. Eric teaches a Sunday school lesson, and it's wonderful or whatever. We, we ought to encourage him. That ministered to me, brother. Thank you for that. But he does it for Jesus. He does it for the Lord. And if we didn't say it to him, I would say shame on us. But if we didn't do it and say it to him, he still ought to be okay with it and say, God, my Father in heaven sees it. He's going to reward me openly in this life and even more so in the one to come. Now understand that. We should encourage one another. We should give honor to whom honor is due. It helps. It's a wonderful thing. It makes life in Christ and in the church so much more pleasant. Not a flattery, but to really encourage. Man, that blessed me. Damien Katie thought Sunday school. Thank y'all for studying and preparing. That was a blessing to me. It ministered to me. It's not flattery. It's not making something up. But if we didn't say it, Damon and Katie need to be have the faith and just say, you know what, Lord, 
I'm, I didn't do that for people to thank me. I did it for Jesus. I did it for you, Lord. That's that man thing, okay? It needs to die. And she said her, it doesn't really finish the story as far as what I read, but she wanted, and I love the way it puts this, she set herself to be free from this man thing, this great I, okay? Is the way she put it, she wanted to be free to serve others. And I tell you what, that's a freedom, amen? That is a freedom. I want to be free to serve others. And I'm just going to pour it all out there. Several months ago when this COVID started, remember I, I was a sermon the Lord gave me about pour it all on Jesus. And it was the woman with the alabaster box. What are we holding back for? What am I hanging on to? A rainy day? I mean, my God, he, he, he's, he's the one that supplies all my needs. I don't need to save it for a rainy day. I don't need to save, save my money. I don't need to be foolish with it. But I don't need to save it for a rainy day. I don't need to save my adoration for Jesus, for my favorite song to, to be sung. I don't need to save my energy, my health. I need to pour it all out on the Lord. We might be raptured tonight. Amen? Amen. We want to, we want to be uh, free to serve others. And so we're, I'm just bringing this to a close. But y'all... Uh, <clears throat> We need to allow the Lord to, to have that work. And the cross of the Lord Jesus is able to do it. We're addicted, the way that this author puts it, addicted to self in so many ways. And we need to, we need to allow the cross of the Lord to work in us. It is the, the cross of Christ working in our lives is the only the only remedy for, for self. There's not another. There's not a self-help book. It's not a conference you're going to go on or a specific book. Those things might help point you back to this. Okay, this is true. But the, for that to be real in my life and your life, it is going to be a work of the cross. And it's a lifelong working. There is real success. There are real gains. There are real victories. There is real progress. So don't think that we're just spinning our wheels till we get to heaven. We're not. We're growing and maturing. But uh, it's going to cost something. The cross costs something. And I think I'm going to be bringing this to a close. But it's a delusion on our part to think that there's going to be this holiness which costs nothing. I don't know if you know that. It's a delusion on our part to think it's just, I'm just going to go zippity doo dah through life with no cost to my life, and I'm going to be as holy as Paul, as holy as Moses. It costs, the cross costs, because it's going to bring a death to myself. It's going to bring a death to my desires. And we've talked about it. It'll bring death to self, and then God will resurrect things He wants us to have. He took, in a sense, well, I didn't say He took, but He called Moses, I mean, Abraham to give Isaac, right? And He gave him. But all it did, all the Lord did in His kindness was take Isaac, sanctify him basically, as far as in Abraham's heart and then give him back to Abraham. So he still had him, but Isaac, he still had Isaac, but Isaac didn't have him. The Lord had him. 
And it costs something. It costs something to be holy. It costs something to have the fullness of Christ. If I'm still full of self, how can I be filled with Christ? I need to have more of myself emptied out, crucified, done away with, put away. The Lord will help us. But it does cost something, y'all. It costs something. And so we, we need to be willing to pay the price. And that's where our will comes in. We need to have a, a real hearty and happy amen. When the Lord says, lay this down, come deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. I want you to die to this. I'm working to rid you of this. There's too much pride in your life. I have a way to rid you of it if you'll allow me to. We need to consent. We need to consent. And we need to lay it down. God, give me the strength to do it. He'll help, he'll help us. How many times have I shared that story about F.B. Meyer? I'm closing with this thought. F.B. Meyer that uh, he talks about after many years of being a Christian, spirit-filled Christian. He's one of my favorites, y'all. I love F.B. Meyer and I love reading his books. He has a real common sense to him that's in a real deep spiritual understanding as well. It really, it really ministers to me. But he talks about uh, that there was, there was this little area in his life. He described it as a little room with a door and a key. And he had shut God out of that room in his life. He belonged to Jesus. He was saved. He was a believer. But there was some area of his life he was Anytime God would try to deal with him about it, he's like, don't touch that. No, that's, that's off limits. And the Lord's saying, no, really? It's off limits to me. All that I want to do for you and in your life, it's off limits to you. And, and he, he finally came to a place. He didn't even share what it was. We don't know. It, it doesn't really matter what it was. He said, Lord, I can't give it to you. But he does, did say, Lord, if you'll take it, it'll be yours. Yeah. And that's how I feel about some things in my life. I can't even give it to you, God. But I will allow you to come in and take it. And that whole room will be yours. He said the Lord came in and, and took it and set him free from that. That's one of those monumental moments in your life. I don't know what it was. It doesn't matter to me what it was. It mattered to him what it was. That would have been like his Isaac. Abraham was already justified by faith before he was called to give Isaac to the Lord, right? And we belong to the Lord. This is the work of the cross. And it's not cruel. And I would simply say, why would I hesitate? And I do hesitate. I'm asking myself and kind of chastising myself, why would I hesitate or be reluctant to surrender anything into the hands of Jesus? Why would I be reluctant to do whatever he called me to do? Why would I be reluctant to die to myself and to relinquish or give up or release to the Lord anything that he calls me to? We, we get afraid. We say, not that, God, not that. Anything but that. And the Lord says, well, that's just the one thing that's holding you back. 
because of your attitude towards it. That's the one thing I've got to take. You have to allow me to. He doesn't come and rip it out. He's waiting for our consent and our will. Even as Christians, he's waiting on us to surrender to the Lord. Amen? And so we don't need to hesitate or, or be afraid to, to surrender those things to, to the Lord. He's a good God. He's a kind God. What does he give me in return? He gives beauty for ashes, the Bible says. All I got is a bunch of ashes, and I want to hang on to them. All I got is a bunch of little worldly trinkets that I want to hang on to. And he says, you ought to see what I'll give you if you'll surrender that to me. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. We could go on and on about it. Okay? I just wanted to encourage you tonight, encourage myself, that as we yield those things to the Lord, let the cross have its work. There's something in return for that that is far better. Just picture that little cross cut in, in the tree. Where that little orange blossom, tiny little bud, or nothing. If we sat out two hours, we'd be dried out in bed. That little twig would be. Let's get it in there into the vine and receive our life and strength from, from Him. Whatever He calls us to, we'll yield to Him. So, Father, we just come before you tonight in Jesus' name, God. And, Father, what a simple message, Lord, tonight. What a, what a profound message at the same time, Lord. God, is, there's power in this. There's power in the working of the cross. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power, Holy Ghost power, in this resurrection life, God. And, Lord, we have things in our lives that are not consecrated unto Jesus. Lord, whatever those things are, some of them we know, some of them... You're going to show us. But we're asking you to show us. And what, whatever they are, Lord, like that, that worker over there in India with Amy Carmichael, God, that we would be free to serve others, free to serve God, and not care on this side of heaven who gets the credit for it. Lord, that, that care that we have for getting the credit, that self, and Jesus, we ask that you would give us, give us the mind of Christ. And you, we would let this mind be in us. You would take on us the form of a servant. And love our lives not even, even unto death. And become obedient unto death. I praise you and thank you, Lord, that you're able to do this. Like you were with F.B. Meyer. Lord, we think I can't give you this that you're requiring of me. But God, we do have the will to say, Lord, if you'll come and take it, it will be yours. And we give it to you in that sense, God. Come and take it with your gentle hands, with your powerful hands, and your gentleness and kindness and goodness, and your love for us, desiring what's best for our lives, and your desire to receive the fullest glory from our lives. God, we ask, come and take it. I just encourage you for a few moments. We, we finished kind of early tonight, but take a few moments to, to make an altar. Altar is a place of death. It's a place of sacrifice and surrender to the Lord. You may not have anything like that in your life that you're aware of right now, but if we'll pray and seek the Lord, say, all will be yours, Lord. Not my will, but thy will be done. Show me, and Lord, if I am blinded to something like that in my own life, God. And give me the faith to, to relinquish it to you, Lord. 
praise you. We thank you tonight in Jesus' name.